Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my friend Tracy Becca. Tracy, how are you today? Did you wake up on the right side of the bed? I woke up on the wrong side, but my day is better now that I see you, Ben. <laughs> That's so good to hear. Welcome to the, well, you're out of the bed now. So regardless of sides, we're good. You got to get up either way. <laughs> that is surprisingly not true, but I think in essence it is. Meaning the motivational part of me agrees. The realist, factual, technical wants to be a pedantic. Yeah. Says you don't have to get out of bed. But you do eventually have to get out of bed, mm-hmm. you know, or you'll wither away. For me, it's all mindset. Like I've got myself, I just feel like I have responsibilities and things to do every day. So I just like try to try to kick ass as much as I can. <laughs> For sure. Let's just tell the listeners, though, I pushed this an hour and 15 minutes because I didn't get out of bed. So you know, <laughs> everything's optional a little bit. Yeah, we were like slacking this morning. I had popped into a live LinkedIn with Rob Berry, so it worked out perfectly. Oh, nice. How was it? Good. I got to do more of those. I love him. He's great. Rob Berry. Oh, yeah. Robert Berry. Yeah, I like him too. Mm -hmm. He's got interesting stuff to say. So, do you want to give the, I like to do a little pump up at the beginning. Just say all the good things that you're proud of yourself of before we get into the harder times. Yeah. So during COVID, um, I up-leveled my life. I made a new decision to up-level. I had a lot more time on my hands like everybody else. So I had always said I was going to stop being a closet artist and start painting again. So Mm. that was the first thing I did. And I reached out to my network because I believe in that. I believe that's really important. And I got some advice from local painters in Seattle that I'm friends with. I won't name any names, but. um, Shep Ferry and some other people. (laughs) Somebody really well known here who literally like taught me so many things in one day that was unbelievable Mm -hmm. to like up level my art game. So I began to post on Instagram you know, put myself out there in a new way as a visual artist, Mm -hmm. overcome the fear of people judging my artwork and things like that. So that was the first thing that happened. And then I got invited to Clubhouse and I decided to open, I've always been a funny person. So I decided (laughs) to open a comedy room and I called it terrible advice. (laughs) Yes, I love it. And then we had 150 people there that day which was completely insane. So I didn't know that was even going to happen. And my friends were like, you need to keep doing this. So I didn't know anything about marketing, branding, showing up online. I just started to do it because we were having fun. It was like twice a week, Mm -hmm. a year ago, the room started to snowball. The club started to blow up and we have, you know, over 3000 followers now. And it's a lot of people's favorite place to come. It's like their favorite show on Clubhouse. So um, it's interactive. It's super fun. So those are two things that 
are amazing. Um, I also, you know, I get to work for a pretty cool company, which is nice. Um, that's all we'll say. We'll just keep yeah, it. That's all we'll say. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good, though. It's good to have a nice job that you're Everybody securing <laughs> that you can kind of bitch about uh, when you're not there. <laughs> the painting. What kind of paintings do you do? So you certainly just talked shit about anyone who designs closets and is a closet artist. You're like, I'm I'm done with this closet artistry bullshit. And now you're painting out in the real world. So like the what was the name? California Closets. Is that a company that does closets? <laughs> They're like, what the hell is she talking about? She's not going to be a closet artist anymore. <laughs> so what kind of paintings did you do? What Or what do you do? Closet. Um, <laughs> I do <laughs> acrylic on wood is my all-time favorite. I like doing playful art and visual storytelling, mm -hmm. which is probably what a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? So it's like creating a collage with like symbols and a theme. Is it like cave paintings almost? <laughs> yes exactly they tell a story right tells a story yeah it's pretty cool i i mean so how do you deal with acrylic because acrylic it's like you put it down and it's like that's it you're done yeah i do the oil stuff where it's like you mess something up you can get rid of a whole tree put a tree back and then it takes it two weeks to dry acrylic is too permanent for me i love getting in fights with artists between oil and acrylic <laughs> Let's fight about it. Yeah, I, knew, I wasn't even ready to fight because uh, I suck at art. But, you know, oil is. Go ahead. OK, hit me with it. Let me tell you that oil is so messy. I get it all over my clothes. Oh, it's the worst. On my arm. It's like if Bob Ross did acrylic, I would be doing acrylic. It's <laughs> <laughs> he, but he'd say you beat the devil out of it and all these other things <laughs> for when you're cleaning the brush. But he would just dip right into a new brush. He would not be. You don't see the chaos that is involved when Bob Ross yeah. has to clean a brush down to the switching paints, which is a pain. Right? Yeah, I think I'm a failure at oils so far. So yeah, I need it seems like your beef is with oil paints, not the <laughs> artists themselves. But <laughs> uh, what I'll say is acrylic is a piece of shit. Um, kind of a what do what do you call it? A medium. You think so? <laughs> you got to try golden acrylics. Like there's nothing like it. <laughs> I just suck. I'm not good at drawing. So like the the less you can mess around with stuff afterwards, the the less I'm down with it. But that's why I was liking Bob Ross because I would watch him do it. And when I was trying to go to sleep, I usually try to go to sleep with different techniques. And then I end up in like a multi thousand dollar hobby because of it. So I and that he didn't get paid for any of those seasons of Joy of Painting. Did you know that he only made money with those art supplies. So he made us. I had no idea. Ton of money doing that. He also didn't like the Afro even. Wow. Mic drop. Okay, so um so you it became you up leveled your painting ability. Did you paint the thing behind you, the portal to the world? <laughs> no. No, this is just like I live in Seattle, so I have to have the beach nearby and this is my beach. <laughs> yeah, for people who can't see, she's got a circular on the wall, uh, I guess print. I don't even know what you call it. It's like wallpaper in a circle that I just imagine it's a picture that was printed out somehow put on the wall. It looked yeah. like if you put like metal around it, it'd be like a porthole on a submarine. It's kind mm -hmm. of the vibe I'm getting. The wall decal. Yeah. And so a wall decal. Okay. It's like a fat head, but of the ocean. <laughs> is that what it is? Yes. 
Okay. And so that that's nice. I like that. Cause then you can kind of transport yourself. Is that what you, when you meditate, you look at that area. Mm-hmm. It's a good move. And then I like that you were saying you didn't have any marketing experience when, or whatever, when you started growing in the clubhouse room, because the people who do have that and they go into it with that mindset always make something that's way more watered down. And Yeah. So I wanted to have a presence online to connect with my audience. And that's why I started the Instagram so that I could, um, they could actually see me, see I'm a real person. I think it makes it matters. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's made my relationships deeper on clubhouse, uh, because I have the Instagram page. Yeah. I like the videos you post cause it's always very subtle or it's like, you look like you're giving the best advice while the, <laughs> the worst advice is being given. And I think the juxtaposition of the two is, uh, is what makes it funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my brand, which I never anticipated. <laughs> like, what what happened in the room that is so hilarious and so like it, it evolved by itself it became mm-hmm. its own thing over time like our thing what we do is we say ask us a question and we'll give you terrible advice but don't listen to us cuz we give terrible advice you know so what what began to happen though that's so fun about it is I was also going in the comedy rooms and getting to know all these comedians and doing a lot of improv there. And it was like so much fun, like developing relationships mm-hmm. with comedians in New York and Los Angeles and you know, getting to talk to some on the some of them on the phone and get to know them and build these relationships. So what what they began to do was come to the room. And be like, when I took your terrible advice, this is what happened. So that gives them a chance to like improv in the room. And it's like mm-hmm. hysterical. So it's like an additional thing that that came out of it that was super fun. Is that how we met? Did we meet in those comedy rooms? I think so. I don't know. I think I met you in a serious room first. I was in a lot of comedy rooms, though. I feel like that would have been the way. Because, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people... I don't know, Eddie Brill, who you've probably talked to on there before. I don't know. There's a lot of those rooms. Ant and yes. What's the other guy? I'm trying to think of all their names now. Uh, you know, he's got, oh, fuck. I have to <laughs> edit all this out. It sucks. But okay. So, uh, you know the song West Coast? Yeah. What's that song go? How's it go? <laughs> you want me to sing it? <laughs> yeah, I'll edit all this out. I don't care. I'm saying. So, the guy, anyways, Jason Schwartzman. Okay. Jason Schwartzman is who he looks like. Anyway, Jason Schwartzman sings this song. I don't know if you know that. Go right back to the West Coast. Blah, blah, blah. That song. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the podcast. <laughs> I guess let's go back into before the before times, before you got into any of this up leveling stuff, when you went to, as you call it, relationship school. You told me a little bit about that time. Yeah. Um, business used to not be good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, relationships were confusing. Uh, there were times. Relationships are still confusing as all hell. Huh? All right. I'll just shut the hell up for a second. Yeah. My origin story. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't realize like till I actually was became a formally trained relationship educator, like that those two are very intertwined, even business 
and personal relationships. Like my whole life changed when I learned more about myself through that process of growing personal development. I also did the landmark curriculum as well right after. What's that? What's that? So it's more focused on accepting responsibility for your life, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, I lost track of what I was saying. I went to nine job interviews and did not get a job when I moved here. Okay. So you went to landmark education, whatever the hell that is. And then you, after that, you, where, where was this? You was in California? Seattle. Okay. But I went to relationship. I became a formally trained relationship educator in San Francisco. Okay. So where, let's go back further. Where'd you grow up? Where would you start out this? Where? Yeah. In um, Pennsylvania and Florida. Oh. And I lived in Southern California. So I've moved around a lot. What would you say is your childhood place? Um, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. What part? The Allegheny Mountains. And I have family in the Pocono Mountains as well. You're more the the country lifestyle? Yeah, I lived in the country. Yeah, the mountains, like small town. Nice. And then what kind of job were you trying to get? This is after relationship school and landmark education. So this is before. This is what led me to relationship school. Go for it. I felt like there was some something missing in like my communication style, me not knowing how to negotiate, um, you know, asking for what I wanted and things like that. And Mm -hmm. so I became attracted to, you know, knowing more for my personal development, like maybe there was something that I needed some self-awareness around. And so that was why I did this work for several years to investigate myself and know how to navigate relationships, um, know how to navigate other people's emotions, um, different scenarios, you know, that we don't learn that in life. So it's really important for us to have those skills when they come up. How would you, how are you even self-aware enough to know that you needed self-awareness? And also I wouldn't even know what school to go to, to get trained in anything like what you're saying. Yeah. So how'd you figure any of that out? How'd you know where to, what to do? I believe in reaching out for support. And so I reached out to one of my friends and she told me, you're, are you serious? This class starts next week. <laughs> it's like fate for me. So I flew to San Francisco mm-hmm. and started class. It was such an adventure. I had no idea what I signed up for and how challenging it would be and how scary that it would be because it made me look at all aspects of my life and like question things. And it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say it's not for the faint of heart. Like it's not, I wouldn't call it hard work, but sometimes there is some pain involved in really looking at yourself and making changes. It probably depends on how uh, open you are to sharing things. Like if therapy is easier for you, that's yeah. cool, probably easier for you. If you're an Irish Catholic guy from Boston who family doesn't talk about their feelings, could right. be a bit of a stretch. Exactly. Things like that. And a lot of people are suffering in silence most of the time, especially men. Mm-hmm. And that was what I discovered in school is just the way that men are suffering in silence. And they have this like, big emotional life, but societal conditioning, you know, keeps them from reaching out for help and like 
things that, you know, it's just the way yeah. it is. And I would like to see a different world where men feel like, hey, you know, like I love teaching men how to understand women. It's the greatest because mm-hmm. I want them to have the confidence to, you know, when they go into a situation and, and getting to know someone new, like how to navigate that a lot easier and have the skills. Yeah. You know? So I know you're doing and- some training now in that field. Yeah. Get into that in just a second. I wanted to ask you, it seems like a a pattern that I'm noticing out of two things mostly is that you tend to jump into stuff and immediately go into it. So you had less than a week of prep for that relationship school, the clubhouse thing you kind of fell into or jumped into. Yeah. Uh, Do you think if you have more time to second guess yourself that you don't do things as much and you kind of need that? random um surprising thing like if you had months to prepare for relationship school maybe you wouldn't even have gone yeah are you more of like a spontaneous kind of person i think so i would consider myself experiential and kind of like experimental (laughs) the way that i do things Mm -hmm. and i don't always know what i'm getting into like i was in the hot seat many times at the somatica institute almost running out of the room Mm in fear of what I had to face mm-hmm. about myself or working in a partner, like, you know, experiential exercise with someone and being yeah. like, I can't do that. And like running out of the room, literally. And then I would see my friend in the hallway. It was so fate, such mm-hmm. death. And she was doing the same thing. And then we would talk to each other. Then we would go back in the room. Yeah. And, and then it would be a huge breakthrough would happen next i remember getting put into a negotiating class in college and they were like you're going to record yourself every week and we're going to watch it back and i immediately dropped the class i was like there's no chance of doing any of that stuff didn't have any backup from a friend or anything and also i was like that sounds like terrifying so i can imagine that a lot of the things you were doing were of the same level of, of discomfort that i couldn't even deal with i literally got rid of that class like immediately so it would have taken me a lot longer to get to the point where I was comfortable with that because I was just so uncomfortable. Like with- The thing is, though, Ben, what I've come to learn about life is the hot seat is where the breakthrough happens. For and sure. it's so important. It's, yeah. Now, yeah, now I'm definitely seeking out the hot seat and I would not drop the class. But at the time, I was just so, uh, I guess, lacking in self-confidence. I didn't want to be, especially back then, because it wasn't social media where everything's on video now. And mm-hmm. so back then it was like, oh, no, this is on video. It's going to be forever a thing. <laughs> I, it was way more intense. Granted, right now we're recording a video. So, um, you know, I've come a long way since then. But that was when I was maybe, I don't know, 18, 19, something like that. And I was like, this yeah. just sounds terrifying. And the ability, especially in college, to drop and add a new class was pretty easy. But mm-hmm. you're right. It It's something that you should not run away from and and. I, I say now, you know, use fear as fuel. And if you're feeling like some sort of discomfort around something, it's probably because it'll get you outside of your comfort zone. And you should probably use that fear as fuel to go towards that thing. And mm-hmm. I try to follow that advice when I can, but you know, I am not perfect either. Some things I run away from possibly, but I'm not sure what they are. They're usually responsibility type life stuff. <laughs> rather than Like what yeah. weird thing can I do now? <laughs> There were times recently, like I'm stepping into, you know, transformational leadership speaking. And I was like, I just want to like run away to Paris, like crazy thoughts, like just 
just like go away for two years, like <laughs> to not face some of these fears I have right now. Like yeah. while I'm walking through this like gigantic quantum leap, this huge transformation. Yeah. So now you're going to be giving out not terrible advice, right? As a oh, oh no, that'll never stop. It I, makes mean, me, I mean, it makes me too happy. Like I love. No, you're gonna keep doing that. I meant you, your main thing won't be terrible advice, though, or at least when you're doing leadership and training and transformational stuff, that's ideally good advice that you're giving well, out. See, right? What's happening with that? To be honest, like I'm mixing my comedy. Like everything will be fun. It it's fun. Good. So mixing the two things together, yeah. So how are you approaching it? Because I know you probably have a little bit of imposter syndrome when it comes to being a leader or teaching any of this kind of stuff. And do you want to just tell the listeners what you're actually teaching folks how to do? Yeah. When I first started to show up on video on LinkedIn, I went through a period of imposter syndrome. Mm So, um, yeah, it was challenging. But I just I always reach out for support. I think that's the best way to break through it fast is to fess up. Mm-hmm. and be vulnerable and tell your friends what's going on. And then they tell you about their experience with the same thing. And maybe talk to somebody who's had more experience with whatever yeah. the thing is. So if it's going on little video on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. And then they're same thing. They're like, oh my God, yes, I've had the same thing happen. So yeah, it makes you grow really quickly. And to be when you, when you realize like creative people, I don't know of a single person that you could say, is creative puts themselves out there and doesn't have some sort of self-doubt when they're not on camera or something maybe tom cruise or some psychotic person who who just (laughs) literally can't feel fear or something he's he's a bad example because he was such an overnight sensation with you know plus the scientology piece who knows what they tell you or like who knows where his baseline reality is i have no idea but i meant more like if it's a regular person they're going to be thinking, oh, did I do that thing right? Am I still good? And even to get to the point where they were amazing in everyone's eyes, they were struggling a lot in the in the background. And you realize that when you talk to most people who are creative, they're like, oh, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing, but whatever. Mm-hmm. It seems to be working. And so the more you hear that stuff, the more you can be like, oh, well, I'm not so different. And also it's okay to be scared, mm-hmm. but still do something. Yeah. Um, part of our humanness. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more that you step in and walk through the fear and accept responsibility for your life, the more that you begin to like, that becomes your life. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Tom Langan, who was a guest on the show, um, and also he does a lot of rooms on Clubhouse, he was saying, and he's done 40,000 plus hours of video editing and also being on video and stuff. And he says, every time he gets on video he's still scared he's still self-conscious but he just knows how to deal with those feelings it's not like they go away mm-hmm. and a lot of times what we have to do when it's public speaking or any kind of thing you just have to be comfortable with that fear maybe convince yourself it's excitement instead of anxiety but besides mm-hmm. that it's you know it's not like you deny that that human part of yourself that's going to be afraid it's more like you get used to and more comfortable with embracing that kind of a feeling while doing something else yeah, you come to a place where you know you're doing a disservice to the world if you don't share your story. Our failure, our um, screw-ups, our stories are so relatable. Yeah, and people don't talk about it enough. <laughs> yeah, do you have a, um, 
Well, I I have my notes here. It says daddy said to be a gold digger, but I don't know how you would explain that story, but uh, it seemed like it was a failure in your mind. So either the fact that you don't have someone to gold dig, I'm not sure what the failure is or if it's because you were told that in the first place. But I love how you put it, but he actually said that was a monumental pivot point in my life was um, you're going to have to find someone to marry who has money. And it was, to me, it hit me like, oh, you don't think I can take care of myself. So I completely flipped and started to run in a more masculine energy than a, than a feminine energy to prove to my father that I could support myself, that I could be a success. Mm-hmm. It became something that ran my life. In a good way or a bad way, do you think? No, not in a good way. Good. I had a problem when I was like, oh, no, I got to be the gold that gets dug. I got to have a I got to be self-sufficient and reliant and all the things you're trying to be. I'm like, they expect me to be that like (laughs) shit because I can't gold dig someone else, apparently. (laughs) So I got to be the gold even for my own self, not even Mm -hmm. for someone to dig at. I need to find gold, dig it, whatever the thing is, because I realize it's on me. You know, if, if if the stereotypical role would be a woman finding a, a, a rich guy, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a rich guy. I don't know how to do that. So I had a similar like flip side uh, mm-hmm. struggle with that. And I probably avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> Went into my more feminine role or whatever the hell would be, would be the opposite. <laughs> the but opposite. so so you were like, OK, I'm going to not need a man. I don't need to get my worth from someone else is how you took that. You said it was a bad thing that your dad told you that, but it seems like the way you responded, the way you reacted to it could have set you up for some sort of success. Is that incorrect? Did it make you neurotic or what was the downsides? Mm. Um, I immediately, like I said, flew into kind of like a fight or flight where I was like, no, I'm going to prove them wrong. <laughs> I do that. I've done that my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let me reinvent myself. Let me change things. Let me like, yeah, I keep, I keep on growing and changing in different ways well it's good though it's it's not always great when you don't control the thing that sets you off in that direction so like you know if i say you can't be a whatever a flautist or something is that who plays a flute <laughs> if i told you that maybe you'd be more down to try out the flute but if i was like hey here's a flute i go eh, i'm good became overly um like i became so tenacious that i actually was overly like independent just like being sovereign mm-hmm. being like sovereignty like i don't even need i've had long-term relationships but like i don't need that like it's it's like giving up the power is tough yeah <laughs> right because mm-hmm. you're like i'm independent i don't need this if i act dependent that's bad yeah i learned i got something out of that message that stuck with me for a long time yeah it's interesting what our parents can do how much they can mess this up with just one one sentence even Mm -hmm. and just go oh that's gonna that's my new thing now i'm gonna obsess about this forever or you know for the foreseeable future and they're just like whatever go get it go go find a way to not have to make money or whatever he's really trying to say it's their issue but then it becomes your you like you create a story around it and then it runs your life Mm -hmm. 
especially once you get all the schooling and they're like, here's all the right way to be or whatever. And now you're like, oh no, now I know what to do. But also sometimes when you know what to do is when it's hard to do the thing. And a lot of people do that. And that's a false belief that we can excavate, uh, evaluate and remove so that we can transform. (laughs) Did you find that that was an issue? You're like, oh, well, if they're telling me this is how you should be and I want to be an independent woman and maybe that's not what the training was like who knows if it lined up with that were you ever like okay well i'm gonna go we i'm gonna go play because i know what to do so i should go do the other thing which is a little bit more reckless and wild you know what really happened to me with that was i realized how deep i was actually running in a masculine energy that it brought me back to my feminine energy and i feel like i was leading going to sound funny to say it this way, but as I began to lead with my sexuality, which I think is a natural way for human beings to be Mm -hmm. living, like fully vibrant, fully, you know, radiant through this whole learning experience, I was more magnetic. You know, I, I've become a more magnetic person through Mm -hmm. that experience. And so you're like deeper in your authenticity. Yeah. More secure in yourself. Yeah. And then what happens is people start to come up to you and they're just like, hi, hi, I'm so-and-so. And And it's like, you're walking in a new energy and a new vibe, you know, Mm -hmm. even through your work life and people didn't see you before. And now they see it's like, yeah. It could just be improved self-confidence and things like that, that are just naturally going to attract people and, and you'll exude that kind of a thing and and therefore be more palatable and also more just tra- attractive to everybody in terms of like, do right. they want to be around you? Do they want to be in your vibe kind of mm-hmm. thing? And, and knowing how to go deeper in your relationships, in business and in asking for what you want in, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. uh, that a life changer as well. So it didn't just affect my personal life. It also affected my business life. I was walking in a more um, like feminine way through life too. Like mm-hmm. I let go of the, you know, control, the ego, the, you know, making money aspect of things. And then it actually came much easier to me. Like mm-hmm. it came faster. You dug for the gold within. <laughs> <laughs> Into myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The best source. So yeah, we're we're getting to the part where I'm gonna ask the two forward-looking future-based questions. So is there anything on like the historical stuff that you've gone through or the subject of failure or when people are in, you know, feeling failure? Is there any advice you'd give them to how to get through some of those times before we look at what you're doing now and, and the future? Yeah. Um, one thing I've learned along the way um is to as I elevate and up level, you know, my own life Mm -hmm. um, is who I surround myself with is so important. Um, If they can't see my vision. Yeah. um, It's, it can be dangerous Mm -hmm. around people that can't see your vision. So they'll, they'll, they'll put you down even unintentionally because they don't think they can do it or they don't think you can do it. And they say, there's that saying, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time around or something like that. And so you got to be careful who those five people are. Yeah, I agree. Is there something you've done in your life to make sure that you only let certain people have influence over 
you and and your time and your decision making and stuff do you know what i do is twice a week i work on my mindset hardcore in what way um i spend time with very successful people and let them nice getting mentored you said keeps me like on track that's awesome what days is today one of those days (laughs) (laughs) it is (laughs) perfect (laughs) I'm gonna say who it is because a lot of people really hate this person. Oh, that's fine. Nobody knows what day it is right now either. Extremely, extremely uh, authentic. Okay, some people don't like this person. I like this this riddle that I didn't know I was gonna get, but I'll just move on from it (laughs) because there's no point. (laughs) So, being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. Eventually, I'm gonna have actual cards. This is just a business card, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this through the internet to you. So you gotta grab this. So excited! Thank you. You gotta take it though. If you don't take it, you don't get it. Okay, I'm taking it. I can't see your hand. Okay, perfect. Yes. All right. Get out of fail free card. So unfortunately, you have to give it away back to me right immediately because you're going to cash this in. And the get out of fail free card, what it does is it allows you to pursue a career, a hobby, a passion, or a thing that you just think you're not that great at and that there's a lot of failure down that path for you. Is there is there a thing, maybe it's playing the flute, like I said earlier, but it could be anything. Um that you would use a get out of fail free card so that you didn't have to deal with the failure related to a specific thing. So like I say, stand up comedy, I'd use it for, cause I don't want to go have to bomb in front of everyone and their mother before I can get a special or whatever, but that's part of the thing. But either way, it doesn't matter if it makes sense. I would use the card for that. Is there something you'd use a get out of fail free card for? Boy, that is a really good one. I haven't gotten on stage to do stand up only improv. Mm-hmm. So I think that, it's an absolutely terrifying thing. Yeah. Because you're being judged every few seconds. You know, you have to continually be good. If you stop being good, they'll stop laughing and it'll be very obvious. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. tough. So what would you use it for though? Would it be for that or would it be for some other, if you want to be an actress, did you want to get into weightlifting? I mean, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be necessarily a career or anything. Yeah. Um, I think about like voiceover work. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I like what had, kind? Like a cartoon or are we talking? Yeah, I did for one recently. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's for like a live virtual event that's a play. Huh. Are you being, are you voicing over some, like a metaverse character or something like that? Like a, like a, is there a virtual <laughs> person that you're, that's going to pretend to be you or is it going to be, what do you mean? You're doing a play, just an audio play? It was a virtual theater out of um, a theater company and they do them online. So So is it like forever ago before we had TV, we would have like plays on the radio. Is it that's coming (laughs) back? Is that basically what's happening? I don't know know, because I didn't get the part, (laughs) but I'd like like my card for either getting on a stage and doing stand up, which would be absolutely terrifying, Mm -hmm. but I think I would do okay. Yeah, I feel like I can't even use it for that because you need to do that in order to get better. Yeah, you know it's tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I said even if it doesn't make sense. But what was the other thing you want? Or voiceover auditioning. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to be cartoon characters' voice or whatever. It's nice that you don't have to be on the video part too, so you can focus on just the audio aspect. 
Mm-hmm. Now that I'm releasing more videos, I'm I'm paying attention to more what I look like on camera because I'm I used to just be like, oh, it's just a podcast. Who cares what? Who cares how much you're, whatever, doing whatever on camera because it doesn't matter. But now I got to worry about it. But I think for doing like a voices of cartoon characters and stuff that'd be pretty fun yeah oh my god it would be so much fun <laughs> yeah you can audition for a lot of those too you should start doing that more i should start doing that more too know where to go to find the auditions all right so i'll find it and then we'll both apply okay i'll be the male roles or whatever i'll be the woman i don't care i'll step into my femininity <laughs> if i need to but i meant more like we won't step on each other's toes about the, what we're applying for <laughs> Uh, and I'll just find out how to do it voiceover. If anyone listening knows, feel free to reach out to either one of us. <laughs> um, okay. And then the last question before we tell people where to go to find you and connect with you and everything is um, instead of fake it till you make it, I like to uh, fail it till you nail it. So what's the next thing you're going to work on where you're not really sure how it's going to go, but you're going to just keep doing it until you get better at it. And I think I know what the answer is, but feel free to tell me. You do know the answer. Um, live virtual events. It's exciting. Yeah. Four-hour masterclasses, um, comedy shows. I'm going to be an MC, So it's a huge learning curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being an MC as well as doing my own live virtual events. MC is the one thing where it's like when you shorten it, it sounds so much different than master of ceremonies which is a dope <laughs> title and then mc is like i'm a dj i'm like a, whatever carson <laughs> daly kind of guy uh it's like master <laughs> of ceremony sounds so uh elegant but either way it's it's awesome so you're going to be mc for a live comedy event is that what you're saying yeah like live virtual events and creating them promoting them um yeah. doing the whole shebang so ticket sales everything so it's a gigantic. That sounds trailer. exciting. So that leads us into the last piece of work. If people can find you. I'm sure you can probably plug that. Um, I'm doing a training for men to help them gain confidence in understanding women. And I'm making it really fun. And where can they go on Instagram to find you? And I bet LinkedIn is a good place too, right? Yes. Tracy Becca. Um, Tracy Becca official on Instagram. And terribleadvice.comedy is my instagram for reels like funny reels mm-hmm. and um i've got the comedy room if you actually want to show up and play with us okay. that's on clubhouse app yeah so if anyone has clubhouse as well look up tracy becca b-e-c-c-a mm-hmm. t-r-a-c-e-y just to round that out thank you so much for being on the show i appreciate it uh, i've been meaning to have you on here for a while so i'm glad that we got that down but uh is there any last things you want to say before we head out um nope nope i'm just like excited to be here thanks ben (laughs) thank you so much i appreciate everything you do and uh, i can't wait for people to experience some of your training uh live and see how that goes thank you thank you very much would you like to be more efficient productive and confident in your work at the office over 750 million people worldwide use excel yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021. 
saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.